as they get smarter, they're going to drive results. And through these five step process, you know, you can flip flop back and forth between them at any given point. And, you know, you could start at one, go to three and, and back and forth. The point is, is that through this, you're allowing the individual to learn how to think. You're allowing them to uh, take on risk, let them fail. And as a result, especially from a marketing perspective, you have to be creative. and welcome to the Health Tech Marketing Podcast. Uh, I've got a great guest today, David Kozlowski from Avalid. We'll meet him uh, in a minute or so. Um, I'm Adam Trinas. I'm the CEO and founder of Health Launchpad. And I want to give a big shout out to my partner in crime here. Uh, we, this podcast is also presented by HIMSS, the major community, the leading community uh, in, uh, in, in healthcare technology. So what is it that we do this podcast? The reason we do it is that, let's face it, there is no harder group market to sell to than, uh, than healthcare. It's, it's so hard. Um, th this is a market which is, they're hard to reach, they're hard to respond, sales cycles are, are eternal. And so we all need a little bit of help. So we put this podcast together for folks like yourselves, health tech marketers, who are looking for new ideas, insights, and can learn from, from your peers and learn from people who are doing really cool stuff in healthcare marketing. So today's podcast is going to focus a little bit more on content and SEO. And um, I got to meet David Kozlowski a few weeks ago, and I was really impressed with his story about how they're using SEO and content. And so we'll dig into that in a minute. But I just first of all want to welcome my guest, David Kozlowski. So great to have you on the show. Um, so you're, uh, you're, you're the marketing director of Avalid. First of all, tell us a bit about yourself and a bit about Avalid for, for those of you who, who don't, know, uh, don't know the firm. Sure. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, happy to be here. Um, so yeah, director of marketing and communications at Avalid. Uh, been there for about a year and a half, roughly just shy of it. And uh, Avalid is a SaaS company that basically builds solutions to eliminate leaking revenue in hospitals. Now, it's a, a wide range of products, uh, so I won't go too in the weeds on them, but uh, it's a great company. Uh, we're currently, we just got acquired by Streamline, which is public knowledge, and uh, really excited about that. And yeah, overall, it's been a great experience. I've got a whiteboard over here with some notes. So I apologize if I look over. That's okay. But... <laughs> no worries. <laughs> if people listening on the podcast, they can't see you do it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so you haven't always worked in healthcare. And I think you've got a really interesting journey. So tell us about how you got started. You know, what, what's the, the early part of your, uh, your, your journey? Sure. Yeah. A long time ago, uh, let's see, I was in college and ended up moving out to California for a little while and <clears throat> being basically a beach bum and just like sleeping on the beach. And it was a really weird time in my life. And uh, I ended up meeting a rock band at one point and started touring with them as a tour manager. And that sort of <clears throat> enlisted this, uh, well, I'm super poor and being in a rock band helps <laughs> me sort of live this like high life, right? For like the time that I'm on the road. And so I was doing everything I could to find a way to get us on bigger tours and, and uh, get us in bigger clubs, you name it. Eventually uh, through some hardcore networking online and utilizing 
the digital world. And at the time, that was kind of a very unique approach. Uh, we were able to lock in some really big tours. Keep in mind, I'm underage. So anything that I could do, anything I could do to go to a bar was like a big win, right? Like we <laughs> fake IDs didn't work for me. So, um, and, uh, we, we eventually started getting bigger and bigger shows and tours. They ended up getting signed to an indie record label, uh, out of Nashville, Tennessee. And I ended up moving to Nashville. I kind of always this philosophy that, uh, an old friend of mine used to say is like, you're going to have a crappy job. Why not have it in a cool location? So yeah. <laughs> we ended up moving to Nashville and things progressed. Uh, I ended up leaving music, realized I wanted to make a little bit more money and um, not be poor and eating Chef Boy already out of a can. So um, yeah, I ended up moving to uh, uh, healthcare for a little bit and worked for a company called Community Health Systems for a little sure. while yeah. and uh, was a patient accounting analyst for a minute. And then I ended up saving all the money I was making to buy film equipment, which then started like a film company, went through that for a little while. And I don't know how on the weeds you want me to get, but, uh, well, just, so wait, you, I didn't know about the film company. Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. What kind sort of films of, are you making? <laughs> uh, I've done a, a small indie doc out in Africa in Sierra Leone, Africa. Uh, I ended up working for a company called Assuring as a producer for a little while. Oh, yes. Yeah, so I, I, I know about Assuring cause I, I, I <laughs> My uh, members of my family keep losing their cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you probably know them pretty well then. Yeah, right? I do. They know me uh, pretty well too. <laughs> yeah, so it's been a it's been a really interesting journey, and through all the midst of this, uh, where my real marketing background sort of was built outside of the music industry uh, was was Kachi Life, which is a pro travel company that we started and kind of fell on us in a really weird way. Uh, but that's where we really got the opportunity to have like our own sandbox to kind of try and fail and do things and, and learn. So, so come back. So what do you catch you like? I, you, how did you, so how did you start a travel company? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Um, so we, uh, a buddy and I went out to Peru years ago, probably like seven years ago now. And we were on the Inca trail and we met this guide. We saw first off, we, we, paid this amount of money that in our minds was like extremely high. And then we talked to this tour guide who is telling us about his living conditions, but not in a way of like, help me just more like, yeah, this is like, we, we try, I'm trying to get my daughter in private school. Da, 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 da. And uh, we started hearing about his story and point blank, just asked him like, how much do you, do you make on these trips? And he told us and we were like, wow, we need to, we can help you fix that. Cause that's like nothing. And um, especially for how much we're all paying. And uh, we ended up, starting it to kind of help him at first and his family. And now it's kind of grown to help a small community outside the mountains called Ryan community. And uh, yeah, I mean, we took a stab at it and it's done well, obviously COVID-19 crushed the the travel industry, but oh, yeah. um, we're picking back up steam. And really the biggest way that we're doing that is through content and SEO. So. Well, so talk a little bit before we move back to how you've applied that for Avali. Talk a little bit about kind of your general principle of content and SEO. I mean, everybody, you know, kind of sort of knows about it, but you know, I, I, I think a lot of people struggle with how to actually make it work. Yeah, I think a lot of people too think they know what it is, <laughs> but they 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 don't. Like, it, there's a there's a bit of a gap there. So, um, so for me. SEO and I don't for almost like the entire company when it comes to content that is released publicly should be essentially your your spine if you will like it is your direct river to then branch off to all these other areas uh, the main vein if you will and that then enlists all these other areas of opportunity for like how do you create 10x content right the the coin that Moz uh, or Moz coined the term and 
how do we find a way to, to, to back up and put it simply? Your market research is out there, right? Just utilize a tool like SimRush or Ahrefs and, and yep. figure out what people are searching for. A lot of the conversations are, oh, well, C- CFOs of hospitals aren't searching for stuff. Ah, I, they might be though. And if they are, and this the 14,000 people that are searching for a leaking revenue or whatever, I'm using lame keywords here that maybe not don't necessarily relate, but if they are searching for it, you're going to find them. And I, I won't tell you the keywords that I found, but I'll tell you like they're out there. And a lot of these big companies aren't necessarily attacking them because they're getting branded traffic. And branded traffic, if, you don't, if you're not familiar, means that people are searching for your name. Right, so the big the big names are always going to get searched for, uh, but those small companies, those those uh, middle to smaller businesses, they have a niche that they can kind of tap into and start generating traffic. and And SEO is how you do it. I think that's branded traffic is a very. I think that's a very interesting metric. I mean, I, so it's one of the things that I'm always looking at for for my own frankly for my own business for health launchpad, but also for clients. So, what's the ratio between unbranded but first of all, sort of how much of your traffic is coming to you through search, through SEO, and how much of, and then of that traffic, what's the split between unbranded and non-branded? Because you want to see that non-branded go up, right? Because that means that you're, what you're doing is working. You're getting, you're getting more than your fair share of what you should be getting. Sure, sure. I think it's kind of like branded traffic isn't a bad thing, right? Like it's never like Facebook, for instance, has 100% branded traffic. Um, I think for us, we are at like, five to 10% of branded traffic. That means people actually typing in avli.com and going to our website. Uh, they're not a huge name in the marketplace, right? right. Um, we have some big clients, but not, you know, not a big name. And uh, I think though, when we look at competitors who are driving that 80 to hundred percent branded traffic, well, that just gives us more opportunity right. to potentially Absolutely. to get in there and, and be able to kind of mud up their waters a little bit. Um, <laughs> and it, it, it is like SEO is like a mini war going on in the back. You know what I mean? It's, it's this definite uh, thing where you're stealing people's, you're stealing their links, you're stealing their, their top page results, and they're not going to be happy about it. I've, gotten some, I've gotten a nasty email before. I'll probably keep getting them. And it's just like, oh, yeah. well, th- this is what it is, man. This is a free, free world we live in and we're going to keep doing it. I don't, I don't know how, how anybody could, you know, com- if they're complaining about what you're doing in SEO, that's, that's hurting them, unless you're doing something absolutely immoral, which you're not. Yeah. Uh, it's just them. It's just, it's just whining. So yeah. let's just back up a bit. Cause I think, you know, you've, you, you the way you're organized, you've got more marketing organized at Avalide. I think it's kind of interesting. Talk about the structure, talk about your team and, and, and the way you guys approach it. Yeah. Well, we are a creative bunch and I think the, I've kind of created a, a philosophy of how I manage teams and whether it's approved by everyone and everyone is, is up for debate. And I'm always learning. Uh, I always got areas of opportunity. Uh, but I start with basically just finding talented people, right? That's lame in one. Everyone knows that. Find talented people. But hoping that, that ta- those talented people want to encourage and improve a great culture. And by doing that, I have like a five-step approach. Um, the first step is that you create a safe and free creative thinking environment because that's going to get people's you know cylinders clicking. That's going to get them to come up with ideas. As they come up with ideas, the second step is they're going to take ownership of those ideas. You might throw something out there and they say, oh, I really like that. And then they're going to take it and they're going to run with it. When they take ownership, they open themselves up to supportive feedback. The third step, when they open themselves up to supportive feedback, 
they're going to grow and they're going to learn, which means they're going to increase their competency, right? So that's the fourth step. So they get smarter, <laughs> right? To keep it simply. Yeah. And as they get smarter, they're going to drive results. And through these five-step process, you know, you can flip-flop back and forth between them at any given point. And, you know, you could start at one, go to three and, and back and forth. The point is, is that through this, you're allowing the individual to learn how to think. You're mm -hmm. allowing them to yep. uh, take on risk, let them fail. And as a result, especially from a marketing perspective, you have to be creative. You have to be finding new and creative ways yep. to to make your edge in the market. I mean, look at Avlead's brand compared to every other company right now in healthcare that is in our industry, right? We're going from super corporate-y uh, uh, look and feel to, hey, we know your people too, right? Like you, you guys go to the restaurants, the same restaurants we go yep. to, right? Like you live the same life and we're really trying to step outside the box and, yeah, and show that. I, I find that. So, you know, do you, when you look at anything, any business in the sort of web cycle, you know, you kind of, you go to their website expecting so that your eyes are going to roll back in your, in your head. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty dry subject. Yours has got a real personality to it. I think you've got this whole video about, you know, with the metaphor of 10% of like the, the, the bird, the, the lead bird in a, in a, in a square flock is the, you know, expends more than 10%. I didn't quite understand it, but I thought it was like a really kind of cool sort of, you know, sort of it was a nice metaphor and it wasn't really what you typically expect for somebody in this sort of rev cycle. Explain your three steps again. What was that? Go through those yeah. three. So five steps, actually. Five so steps. creating a space for creative and free thinking, right? I'm not going to just tell you what to do every day. You're going to mm -hmm. think about it and you're going to tell me what you want to work on. That allows ownership once that's the second step. The third step is when you take ownership of something, you're going to open yourself up to supportive feedback, right? The fourth step would then be when you take the supportive feedback in, you're going to learn. You're going to learn what yep. the team has to say. You're going to learn what your boss has to say. And you're going to go, oh, that makes sense adjusting. And then you're going to learn that process, which ultimately leads to the best one, which is five. And everyone loves this. Who's a boss is driving results. Right. Ability right. to drive effective and good results. That's great. That's really cool. When we, when we talk, you used, uh, when we first spoke, you used this expression, which I thought was really interesting, which is, culture drives seo i was like wow i've never heard that before <laughs> so tell me tell us about that yeah i mean i think i kind of said like it, it definitely does drive seo from a, a content creation perspective so i think when we think about seo a lot of a lot of writers a lot of content creators are like i got a blog yes you do that is the base principle but it's not all there the culture in our team allows the team to come up with creative ideas of how to take the content and make it different, right? So let's take these words on a page and let's create a video that not just necessarily explains what the blog is talking about, but maybe we find different animations we can play out of it. Maybe we find different social posts, infographics, maybe we do a podcast on it. Maybe we, there's, there's tons of options. Okay. And if you don't allow the, the culture to be able to one fail, like, yep. Hey, go out there and just shoot your shot. And if you mess up, who cares? No one's dying, right? Like right. we're going to be okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then two, um, you, you allow the ability to just like think freely. You come up with some really cool stuff. Yeah. You're going to get, you're going to get the haters that are going to knock it down and be like, Oh, it's a stupid idea. Okay. Do you know it's a stupid idea? Like, let's, right. let's give it a shot. The other day, an example of this, we wanted to, to do our own fun test. 
uh, we came up with the leaky revenue monster. And um, it was uh, it was uh, essentially a monster we came up with that's taking your 10%. And we ran a whole little mini campaign to kind of just show like, hey, this is what we can do um, that's creative and fun. And that helps push and drive the team to take real substance, right? Information that is of huge value and say, how can we make this fun and creative that maybe correlates to like the quote leaky revenue monster? Um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. They did like a whole landing page, the whole process step-by-step. Step. Did it generate a lead? 100% not. But we can take that information and correlate it to the next topic that actually drives huge value. Right, exactly. I mean, so, so no prospective customer is ever going to come there and go, well, I could never do business with them because they came up with the idea for le- leaky revenue monster. But you <laughs> never know. But, but on the other hand, there may be a bunch of people like, God, you know, what? Are the-? it's just, yeah, this is a bit of fun. I like this. This is cute. And, uh, and that's how you build brands. And, and mm-hmm. you know, one of the things I, I, I kind of think is important in the whole area of content and SEO is, uh, is you don't really know what the content is that's going to drive a lot of traffic. You know, you can have some sort of hypothesis about, well, I think this, based on what I'm seeing people searching on, if I write about this, I'm going to get a lot of traffic. But I've found that in various in various stages of my life where I've had, you know, I've, I've used content. So I'm using content obviously with my current business, but actually one of the, 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 the best experiences I had with it was about, God, it's almost 15 years ago. I started a blog on sailing, which is, you know, if you can see, if you're watching the video, you'll see I've got a lot of sailing related stuff behind me. It's one of my passions. And I, my little blog was bimbling along doing, I don't know, five or 10 visits a week, that kind of thing. And then suddenly I wrote this post about, basically it was called why sailing, why, why is it that sailing sucks, uh, sailing websites suck other than blogs. And for some reason that one provokes a lot of reaction and started to get a lot of links to it. And for and just took off and for a period of time i think for about two or three years if you searched for sailing websites that blog post and my webs and my blog my stupid little blog on sailing was the top ranked top ranked um site um for you know for for for, for a while and that then sort of so it just suddenly my my traffic took off and at one point i was doing about 15,000 uniques um, a month for a stupid little blog on sailing. So it is amazing if you create that kind of culture, the way you've created it, that, and you give people the free, I love, you know, to give people the freedom to, to, to fail, you're going to create some accidents and you're going to create an accident, which is suddenly going to dominate your dominate search in your category. That's really cool. Um, yeah. you, you guys use video quite a lot as well. Talk, talk a little bit about that and, you know, how does that work on YouTube and what are the channels for video that you use? Sure. Um, so I want to, I want to take one note from what you just said too, though. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of people, especially when we talk about video, I've, I've run into a lot of individuals, uh, some pretty big influencers too, that utilize the coin of like, just put, just put out content, just keep putting out content. Keep yeah. put out, I feel like if you're not putting out content that's strategic based off of the research, you're wasting your time. And right. per, that's my own personal opinion. And right. why I say that is, uh, the, again, the data is there. Um, and when you're creating videos, for instance, um, Google right now, a big push that it will have for the next, you know, forever, I would assume is video. Uh, when you type in a search, you know, what is uh, 835s or what is the difference between 835 and what, whatever the number is, um, 
they will start to show video content that relates to your yep. answer because people want to watch videos, right? right. Um, there's a whole other entity like voice search as well and, and, and indexing things along those nature. But the way that we utilize video, we YouTube is not necessarily a big gameplay. We put it on there for the SEO purposes of like, yep. hey, in the future, it's possible this will drive traffic. Where we really see the biggest benefit, honestly, is Wistia. Um, and the reason for that is, yeah, the reason though is, is if we do a blog that, uh, you know, starts to drive traffic, like your, your sailing blog, if, for an example, uh, do you know who's actually going there? Do you have a real, I mean, Google analytics gives you some of this information, but if somebody clicks on a video, all of a sudden you can start quantifying real results as in value of your video team, right? Like I'm always thinking, how, how can I make sure we just hired an in-house video team, right? Wow. And like, that's an expense. So yeah. most companies don't want to do that. Well, where's the value add for it? Well, besides the culture piece and the communication side that I also uh, lead at the company, there is this other entity of like, hey, can we potentially drive ROI here, right? Can we show value? Well, Wistia, I have the ability of seeing prospects that are in the, fun the sales funnel, see if they're actually watching the video and how much their retention is. Do they watch it 80%? They watch it 20%? So... Um, for people who don't know, familiar, or aren't familiar with Wistia, explain how it, how Wistia works and how, why it's different from YouTube. Sure, I'm not an expert at Wistia, so preface right. that. You're more uh, an expert than I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I've got some good team members that are more than me too. Uh, so the way that I understand Wistia for especially the way we utilize it is basically just upload the video as normal, but you embed the video into your website. When you yep. embed that into your website, you then have access to analytic data that you may not necessarily have with YouTube. An example would be on the page, we can see how many people click on it, right? But we can actually drill down the IP and that IP is associated with a specific location. So we'll use an example um, and say, you know, um, Adam's hospital, watch this video up to 80%. Cool. I can take that data back to sales and say, Hey, are you guys in contact with Adam's hospital? And they can say, yep, we are cool. We're helping sales and enablement or no, we're not. Hmm. Interesting. Curious if somebody maybe reached out to them from a BDR hmm. aspect. And if they did reach out to them, how can we potentially get back in touch with them? So there's an ABM aspect to it, right? Um, so that you can, as you say, right, you can tell somebody from this account is, is visiting, is actually watched that video. Correct. Yeah. It's not necessarily built into our CRM. It is manual today. Yep. Um, but it does allow us from a, the sales enablement side of, of knowing is our content actually, it, when we think about SEO, we're always thinking about like uniques, right? That's kind of what you, yeah. had, you had mentioned, but SEO helps on so many fronts because what is the, what are you going to do the second that you, um, uh, I'll use, uh, anytime that I go into a, a meeting with someone who's trying to sell me a product, what's the second thing I'm going to do? I'm going to look them up. If I haven't right. already, right. I'm going to look at their website. I'm going to look at their social media. I'm going to get a good idea of what, like, what this company represents and what they're able to put out. And if they have HubSpot, I'll reference them for what it is. Does an amazing job at this. Like you go and you have a meeting with HubSpot and you do the research, you're going to see that they understand and know inbound marketing to a T. And yeah. the way that you can is because of all their information. You right. trust them. They're building that trust with you. Well, if someone in our sales funnel goes to our, our website, there's relatable questions that a CFO may potentially ask. And that information is correct. And it's informative. And we have gated material that allows them to want to download it. We're building trust. And if we yeah. build trust, they're more apt to buy our product. Right, exactly. More educated consumer is a better consumer. Right. And in a, in, a, in a long sales cycle where people are taking like nine months to get through the funnel, yeah. so you have to, you, you have to be, have a, that sort of deliberate approach, approach to what you're doing. It's 
very interesting. You you mentioned this to, uh, when we talked initially. You mentioned this notion of topic clusters and mm-hmm. how that works with. Do uh, talk about topic clusters. Sure. So topic cluster in, in once you've done your SEO research, given the given the step by step process, once you've done your topic research, you're essentially going to take the hardest keyword difficulty and the broadest topic. Once you've done that, so um, if you don't mind, I'll use an example that's not related to healthcare, uh, but we'll say like sailing. Okay, yep. um, the best sailboats we'll say has a keyword difficulty of eighty percent. How do you beat that on Google? Well, Google is basically going to say, "I need to know that you are an expert in all things sailing because you don't have a high domain authority." Now we're getting a little bit in the weeds here on technical, but the, essentially what topic cluster is is you'll take your topic. You'll smack it on a whiteboard and circle around it, and you'll basically put uh, best sailboats. Okay, that's your main topic. And what you're going to do is that's your pillar page, and a pillar page is a one-stop shop for everything related to sailboats or best sailboats or whatever topic that you picked. Okay, and as you're writing that information, you're going to then create subtopics that support it. So you're going to basically create a web that spreads out from the middle and you're going to write um, wooden sailboats, metal sailboats. I don't know anything about sailboats, but yes. you're going to start writing the content. Actually, that's actually pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're going to start writing other, other entities that support it. And then you're going to circle those and write a, write a line back to the middle and, and sort of be able to show from a visual perspective, hey, this is, this is our game plan for the next quarter, right? We're going to write all these blogs. The middle one's going to be the most informative, very high level, very broad. It's going to just touch on all these topics, but this is our outline for the pillar page. Right. Then we write really detailed information about those blogs. And the idea here is that you're linking back and forth. Well, one of those blogs that's in the outer web has a higher chance of ranking on Google in the top 10 than the middle one, because the middle one's a really hard keyword. Okay. Well, once you increase the the visibility of one of those outside uh, blogs, uh, that will boost traffic for your pillar page because you're linking back to it. An example of this, uh, my favorite example is Kachi Life, the Peru Travel Company, has a link with an organization that is very well known and very large, and we're super grateful for this one link. Uh, The and it's we're talking about backlinking here, which is a little bit different. Yeah. But we get sales, so that means somebody's that means people are clicking on that link in their blog, going right. to our web page, and buying our product. They have taken multiple actions to do that. So if you're doing that internally, and you're linking correctly between your in between the site, you're not only decreasing your bounce rate, but you're also going to improve the chances of potentially creating a lead or a sale or nurturing the relationship further down the funnel to hopefully right. buy your product. Very interesting. Yeah, got it. So it's starting with strategic analysis of what are the topics that are going to, that, that your personas are most interested in, looking at the sort of the degree of difficulty of, of being able to rank for those and then building a essentially a network of content around those around those around that topic, um, and then using oh, and you, you mentioned backlinking, so using backlinking again in a sort of thoughtful, strategic way, so you're getting quality backlinks, not just sort of a quality you know quantity of junk. So the the important thing here, and I I, I didn't I missed this part, but when one of those blogs does well. It's going to increase the traffic of your pillar page. The backlinking is a separate entity in the sense that the way that I pitch backlinking now to individuals that don't understand SEO is it's just people talking about you. Like that's the easiest way to say it. It's another company yep. 
who yep. is writing about you and hyperlinking to your website, which is obviously extremely valuable, especially if you position it that way. Don't right. call it like I've removed SEO terminology from a lot of my conversations because I can see it just flying over people's heads. Like just keep it what it is. Backlinking is someone talking about you. SEO is content research and understanding what to write about and be able to promote. Um, you know, there's a whole I've I've pivoted a lot of the words I use now. So, so let's say you know you you uh, you you're, you know I would say that you're probably in a minority of companies that are doing SEO and content, you know, in a really thoughtful way, and you're putting you know putting a lot behind it, um, and you you brought that all in house. So, can I give me a sense of like you know as much as you feel comfortable, what, what size is the team? I mean, how many you know how many FTEs you have doing this? Sure, sure. Well, I want to preface that not only do we do marketing inbound approach, which would be the SEO side, excuse me, we do curate all of our sales enabled material. Okay. We also focus on outbound. So booth building to events to everything um, from outbound approach. Yeah. We handle, we support rather partnerships. Uh, we do all the social media, but then on top of that, we also have a communication section where we support all internal communications in the company. Yep. Uh, which means leadership summits, uh, year-end conferences, et cetera. So our team is rather large comparatively to um, than just a marketing area. I would say, I know this answer. I think I've got five. Oh, I've got actually... four. I've got, yeah, we're pretty scrappy. That's scrappy. I, I, I thought you were going to say like, 20. No, <laughs> just, not at all. Sounds, I mean, it's, they, they were, these people must be working really hard. <laughs> well, that means a lot. You said that because I've, yeah. So I've got three, I've got four right now in three right now, four right now in creative, excuse me, uh, in our creative department. And then I've got one shared resource between sales and marketing. And then I've got another shared like 10% of our time helping us like project management to a degree. And right. then I've got a writer, one writer, and then I've got another individual that helps on, um, on some marketing elements. Fascinating. Really, really fascinating. So, I mean, what about the results? I mean, you know, you, you're obviously the your company's sticking at it. I mean, you've been doing this kind of strategy, what, for about two or three years? Uh, so I've only been here for a year and oh, really wow. three months. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Three months. So I'm not, I, I haven't been a veteran per se, especially in healthcare. Um, results, if, if we're talking about strict results from an inbound approach, I have not seen any drastic like awareness where we're getting basically really important leads. Um, it hasn't happened, not qualified leads. That being said, I don't think that there is a argument when it comes to pushing the lead along the funnel. So like BDRs are never going away in account-based marketing. Like I don't care what anyone says, but the goal here is that you're creating a safe space, a library, a, an area for individuals to do the research and be able to trust you and what you're creating yeah. uh, or what you're rather what you're pitching and presenting. So um, I don't, I do think though, that will change. My, my gut instinct is, is, and I'm not just saying it cause I'm bought in on it. It's there is, there are companies that are competitors of us that are paying for advertisement that are related to the keywords that we're trying to rank for. Right. You cannot tell me that 
they're not that they're paying the money and they're not like we just haven't hit it yet and the reason there's a whole other element like the my my north star metric if you will has changed quite a bit throughout the course of the year i've been at avalid um so <laughs> now we finally have been given a full quarter of of really driving this home and uh i i genuinely believe that the benefit here is going to outweigh um Especially, it may take eight months, but it's, yeah. it's definitely going to be very beneficial. And I think that's the that's the you know that's the tough thing with uh, with in you know, SEO content and ABM, which you mentioned, right? All three of those they work. They take a long time to to pay off. I mean, you know, you could do a you know you could do a paid search campaign, a paid social campaign, and you see results within a you know you can see results within a week, um, right. but it costs you money. Whereas with, you know, the cost of doing SEO and content, particularly with a relatively small team, is not that, is not that great, but it takes a while to, to see the results. So, yeah. Yeah, and, I, and I'll mention too, like when you talk about results, if we're talking, that, that's strictly talking about just leads. From, a, from an actual traffic perspective, I mean, we've increased from well over three to 500%. And I, I know it's a wide range, oh. but we started at like, um, from traffic, they were getting like 20 clicks before right. we had started implementing this. Now we're over like 5,000. So right. it's it's drastically changed. Our keywords have, have skyrocketed uh, to 1,700. Our authority score has increased 800%. Like we're, they're definitely growing. And that's where the branded yeah. traffic has only gone up by like 5%. So, yeah. So you're, you're, I mean, you've got the key indicators here that are, that are good. Um, yeah. So... Uh, I, I, it's really been interesting talking with you, David. And I, I want to ask you that the last question, which is, you know, this is a question I ask all the guests, which is if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice, what would that be? Something that you wish you'd known earlier? I'd, there's two parts to it. One is would be go live in a foreign country. <laughs> Just personally, just to be able to get more knowledge of other cultures uh, quicker, and uh, maybe there's three pieces. The second one would be leverage debt to buy more homes, <laughs> like move into a home, leverage your debt, buy another home, and continue to do that. Uh, who knows if it would work? But like, just like the buy buy Bitcoin early type of thing. But the right. real one, I think, would just be be patient. Like, take your time. Like, it, everything happens. It's gonna come out. You're gonna be fine. You're driven. Just let it be. Uh, yeah. sometimes I've, we fall into a rut of like, it's not happening quick enough, right? right. I'm not getting there and just reassuring like, dude, you're going to be okay. Just calm right. down, take a breather. We're going to get through this. So <laughs> thank you. That's great. That's really good. Well, David, it has been such a great pleasure, um, having you on the podcast. I, I've learned a lot and I'm sure the listeners will have as well. And so thank you very much. Thank you, Adam. So before we go, uh, I just want to let you know uh, that you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple uh, or Spotify podcast and a whole bunch of other places. Uh, there's an Anchor FM link uh, down below, I think. Um, and you can also view the video of this uh, through a link in the show notes. Um, we've got a great uh, program uh, of guests coming up. So do subscribe. Um, and thank you for listening. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, please just let me know. You can email me at adam at healthlaunchpad.com. That's adam at healthlaunchpad.com. So again, thank you, David, for your insights and, your, uh, and uh, for being so candid with us today. And thank you all for listening. <laughs>